Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Trevor McMacken. I'm a pastor at City of Light Church in Aurora, Illinois, and we're one of your sister churches. We're an older sister church plant. We started in 2015, so you guys are just a couple years younger than us, and uh, Pastor Scott and Marissa, we go way back at Church of the Resurrection, all of our sending church, and um, also at City of Light, they were with us for a couple years there, and so it's been, I think, about 14 months since I've been here, just way too long. It's so good to be back with you all and to look at the Sermon on the Mount together this morning. So I bring greetings from City of Light and from my wife, Bonnie, um, who wishes she could be here this morning. We had a a car accident. Everyone's fine, but our van is still in the shop. So it was driving up, the prospect of driving up with um, my wife, who's seven months pregnant, and then our other three children, Nora, who's 11, Finn, who's nine, and Gus, who's three, very early morning, all of us in a small, compact rental car. Daylight savings time. So we, we, we weren't all able to be here, but they send their love and their greetings to you all. I'm so excited to look at this passage with you. As uh, Scott and I were talking about which part of the Sermon on the Mount, um, I, we were actually going to, I was going to preach a different one, and then I, I saw this again, I thought, oh no, could I, could I do this one? Because this is a passage that means a lot to me personally. Earlier this week, uh, my wife Bonnie and I and then Scott and Marissa were at our church network, our diocese pastor's retreat, which we do every year around this time, and we just spend two or three days together with all the other pastors in our church family, and we read the Bible together, and we study it together, and we pray together, and we have communion together, we play basketball together, and not all of us, just some of us, but uh, we have such an amazing time, and it was about five years ago at that retreat that someone prayed this passage for me. And it was a time when I was, we were about to church plant, I felt a lot of pressure in my life, and I felt disconnected from the heart of God, the Father. I knew in my head that he's a good father, a good, good father, yes you are, yes you are, all of that, right? But I, I didn't know that I, f- I felt it in my heart, I felt disconnected from who he is and from his goodness. And so someone prayed this prayer for me, that I would know he's a good father who gives good gifts, and they prayed that I'd be strengthened to keep knocking at the Father's door. Have you noticed, as you've been studying the Sermon on the Mount the last weeks, how much Jesus talks about his dad? Like every single section, he goes, oh yeah, and let me tell you this about my father. Here's just a few of them. He says, my father wants us to be salt and light so people can know and glorify the Father. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of the Father. The Father is perfect and you can be perfect. The Father sees you. He sees you even when it's what's done in secret. And the Father knows you. He knows what you need before you ask. We're invited to pray to God as if he's our Father, which he can be. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He feeds the birds. He provides for his creation. How much more does he know you? The Father knows us, sees us, loves us, forgives us, is with us. And then here in this passage, as we get 
almost to the end of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says, your father is a good father. He invites us to ask, and he says, the father is a father who gives. He invites us to seek, and he says, the father is a father who can be found. He invites us to keep knocking on the door, and he says, this father is a father who opens the door. Maybe you're like me. Maybe there's times in your life, maybe right now, where you, you don't really want to ask God for anything. Or maybe you ask once, and that's it. You don't keep asking. Maybe you don't really seek after him sometimes. Sometimes I'll seek him for a little while, and then I'll just kind of stop. Maybe you've, you've knocked once, but you don't want to knock again. And Jesus gives these kind of over-the-top examples of a father who, when a child, a son comes to him, the father would give a snake or a stone. I mean, in the culture that Jesus is talking in, that would be unthinkable. It was a father's job to provide for the family, and if they didn't, they would be shamed. The whole village would know it. It was unthinkable not to care as a father for a child. Unfortunately, that's not unthinkable today. That happens all the time. But here, it would have been unthinkable. These would have been ridiculous, ridiculous to imagine that a father would give a son who asked for bread stone. What good is a stone? <laughs> Can't eat a stone. It's unhelpful. It's maybe even cruel. What would, what would you feel if a father gave you a stone? You'd feel bitter. You'd feel upset. You'd feel frustrated. What about a snake? Well, maybe you could eat that. But what if it's a dangerous snake, right? These aren't good gifts. And what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's challenging our assumptions about what kind of God we have. The picture we have in our imaginations the picture we have in our hearts about who God is. He wants us to know whose door we're knocking on and how we ask or don't ask or seek or don't seek or knock or don't knock. It tells us, it reveals what we believe about the goodness of God. This morning, I just want to share with you the practice that more than anything has brought my heart closer to the heart of the Father, that has helped me trust the Father more, that has helped me experience His goodness in my life more. And it's just simply this, giving thanks. It's gratitude. Gratitude connects us to the goodness of God. When we see a good gift and we say, thank you, Father. It connects us to the goodness of the Father. It helps build our faith and our trust that he is good, that he gives good gifts. Do you struggle to connect to God? To not just know, yes, the Bible teaches that God is good, but to actually experience his goodness in your life, to see it over and over in your life in small ways and in big ways. Do you feel disconnected from his goodness? Do you have a hard time trusting him? Do you feel like you have to provide for yourself or you have to control your own circumstances or you have to perform in order to justify your own existence or get his delight or attention? If you feel disconnected from God's goodness, the good heart of a good father, 
Giving thanks will help connect you to his heart. You know, giving thanks is it's one of the most common commands in Scripture. If I asked you, what do you think the Bible tells us to do most? Would giving thanks be up there? We read it a few times in our, our Scripture passages this morning in Colossians. Give thanks, give thanks. It's one of the most common commands in Scripture. Colossians said, give thanks, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, giving thanks to God. And what adjective does it use? What description of God? To God our Father. These go together in the Bible. And in just a little bit, not only in the scriptures we read this morning, but in the liturgical prayers we pray, we'll be invited to give thanks. If I say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God, what do you say? It is right to give him thanks and praise. Do you believe that? It goes on. It doesn't stop there. It's right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere. Do you think God always and everywhere has earned your thanks. Our scriptures, our prayers invite us into this relationship with the Father of, of giving thanks to him, of receiving everything from him, always and everywhere, with joy at his gift. One of the, those prayers are from communion, and one of the older traditional words for communion is Eucharist, which just means thanksgiving. That part of the prayers is called the great thanksgiving. Every week we're invited into a practice of gratitude. Every week, every time you come here, you're invited to give thanks. Gratitude has become one of the sort of hip uh, areas of study in our culture and in psychology. I just read about a study, um, a one-week study, in which people were asked to take five minutes a day at the same time every day for one week. So five minutes a day, the same time every day for seven days, and to write down three specific things that they were thankful for. And I read a report about this study from Sean Aker, a psychologist at Harvard. He said they didn't have to be big things. They could be simple, but they had to be concrete. They had to be specific. Like, I'm thankful for the delicious Thai food I ate for dinner last night. That's always a reason to give thanks. Or, I'm thankful that my daughter gave me a big hug when I got home from work. Or, I'm thankful that my boss complimented my work. Three specific things written down same time every day for one week. And then the participants stopped doing that exercise. And they checked in with them a month later. And they were all happier and less anxious than people who didn't do that exercise. Even though they just did it for one week and then didn't do it for three weeks. They checked back in three months later. They still reported being happier more joyful, more content. They checked back in six months later. That means for one week they did this exercise and for 25 weeks they didn't. And they still reported that they were happier, less anxious, less depressed. So here's what the researchers concluded. They said the simple practice of writing down three Thanksgivings a day over the course of the week primed the participants' minds to search for the good in their lives. A simple practice of gratitude helps us search for the good in our lives. Christian gratitude helps us search for the goodness of God in our lives. All around us is the goodness of God, and we miss it, and we don't see it. And a practice of giving thanks helps us see his good gifts all around us, good gifts that we would otherwise miss. And in, in learning to recognize them, we can receive them. 
and give thanks to God for them. And we realize, look at that good gift. He must be a good father. And it transforms our mind. It transforms our imagination. And we go from uh, thinking that at the center of the universe is pain and disappointment and suffering, that at the center of the universe is, is violence and frustration and injustice and sickness and death, We go from thinking at the center of the universe is a a God who would give a stone or a snake to knowing that at the center of the universe is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And all those other bad things are true, but they're temporary. And the thing that's eternal is God's goodness. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly gifts who does not change like shifting shadows. To live eucharistically, to live lives of giving thanks, puts us in touch with the goodness of the Father. And we were made to receive his goodness. Did you know that? God made you so he could give good gifts to you. That was the whole plan. Do you know how good it feels to walk around and know that God loves you? that at the center of the universe is the goodness of God, how much of our anxiety, how much of our fear, how much of our need to control circumstances or build earthly security or perform better than others, how much of that is just coming from the places in our hearts where we don't believe God is good? We become disconnected from our good Father, but... Gratitude rebuilds that connection. I don't read a lot of poetry, but I've always really liked Gerard Manley Hopkins. And he gives this um, a simple beginning place. He kind of describes this whole thing. Um, So I want to read a little bit of a poem to you. It starts like this. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, charged like electrically charged. Maybe you've experienced that in creation, on a hike or seeing a a, a beautiful wonder, and you just feel, feel the charge of something bigger than yourself. I've felt that. Have you felt that? But maybe you feel it not just in terms of nature, but spiritually or emotionally, that you're a situation you're in is charged with the goodness of God. I was just praying with some uh, of the other pastors, our team at City of Light, a week ago. And a couple people on the team have gone through tragedies in this last year, and they were feeling disconnected from God. And as we were talking and praying together, the Holy Spirit just started to, he just started to, to guide and to lead us. And, and one person started praying one thing, and someone else would go, that's exactly what I was thinking. And someone else said, I just have this scripture passage on my mind, this psalm. And someone else said, that's exactly what I felt the Lord saying. It happened three different times in this moment. And it was just so clear that that the room was charged with the grandeur of God, that he wanted to minister his goodness to us. Have you ever experienced that? The world is charged with that. But what happens, Hopkins says, is we are crushed. He says, why do men then now not wreck his rod? I had to look up what that meant. Wreck as in reckon or know or follow. Rod as in a shepherd's rod. The world is charged with God's grandeur, with his presence, but we don't see it. We don't follow it. We don't know it. He he says, 
And wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. He's talking about wearing shoes and not being able to feel the ground between our toes. We're disconnected from the God who loves us. But he ends with this hopeful word. Not only is God a good creator, but he's, he's in the world now. He's, he's over the world now because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breasts and with, ah, bright wings. The world is charged with the grandeur of God because God is here to work his goodness, to give his goodness. If we could just see it. But we trod, trod, trod through our days oblivious. God's good gifts all around us, but we don't recognize them. We don't receive them and give thanks for them. And then we wonder, what kind of God is he? Maybe he's the kind of God who gives snakes and stones as we're surrounded by bread. We have to learn to receive it. We have to learn to see it. I said that we had a, a, an accident with our van. This is, it's happened so many times in the last five years, it's almost a joke now that we just, our cars all get wrecked. So we were driving down the highway five years ago in our uh, green 1998 Toyota Sienna. And we're going um, from Michigan, where I grew up, back to Aurora to plant the church that fall. And all of a sudden, the front driver's side tire explodes. We're going like 75 down I-94 West. And, you know, at that speed, the RPMs, the revolutions per minute, are really high. It's, you know, 2,000, 3,000. And so a part of the tire, like, ripped off, and now it's just kind of this long rubber uh, whip. And it just keeps going around and hitting the side of the van. And within seconds, it tears the entire side panel of the van off. And then it hooks into what is called the electrical harness, which unknown to me at the time, but I subsequently learned, is all of the power for the vehicle. And so it rips that right out, and the engine shuts down, all the electrical systems shut down, the power steering shuts down, and now we're trying to, like, guide this thing off to the side of the road. So that was a total loss, and we were looking for a new car. We couldn't get into another full-size van with the, uh, the repayments we got from Allstate. Poor Allstate Insurance. That's our third total loss in five years and then two or three other accidents. Poor Allstate. They, they really are great. You are in good hands. Um, that was free. They didn't ask me to say that. Um, you may, may need to edit that out of the podcast maybe. just to, um, Or maybe they'll give you a check. They always give us checks. Um, so we're looking for a new car, and we found what's called a micro mini, which is a new category of minivan, and the Mazda, Mazda makes the Mazda 5, a micro mini. We've never driven a Mazda. Does anyone drive a Mazda? No? We'd never driven a Mazda, and it's, it was a great car, and we, we started driving it around, and we started seeing Mazda 5s everywhere because we had one now. And we'd be out driving, and the kids would be like, Mazda 5, Mazda 5, Mazda 5, and they just shouted at the top of their lungs out of nowhere, um, which, you know, they could be shouting other things, so we were good with that. And even now, we don't have that anymore. That was in a crash, and it was a total loss. So we're back in a Siena. Um, but, uh, but they still, sometimes we're driving around, they're like, Mazda 5. Once we had one, we started recognizing them everywhere. That's what it is to practice gratitude, to receive the goodness of God. And to, to start seeing his hand in everything, everywhere. And that you can't, you can't go out, you can't look around without seeing the grandeur of God. 
You go through your day and you, you get more and more trod, trod, trod. But then, then you, you go, oh, wait, you can look up and you can see his hand. You can see his goodness. You can see the heart of the Father coming close to connect to your heart. You can know that God is good all the time. All the time. Even when you get to those hard places in life that will come, those sufferings, those, that pain that will come, you've seen his goodness over and over and over again. And you might not understand what's going on, but your first thought isn't to go, God must not be good. God must be a God who gives snakes and stones. No, your, your first thought is, I know that God's good. And I don't understand what's happening around me. But I know it doesn't change the goodness of God. Because I've received it. I've experienced it over and over and over again. I know his goodness. I know his heart. You can give thanks. We have so much to give thanks for. It's the second Sunday in March and it's warm out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that spring always comes after winter, even in the Midwest. And it's starting now. Spring training baseball is up and running. Thank you, God, for spring training baseball. Thank you, God, that you made a world where electrical currents can run around, along conductors and be converted at our house into energy that can heat our home. And thank you, God, that even though my home is 100 years old, I can put plastic over the windows and save another $100 on heating every month. We have so much to thank God for. God created a world where different things have different tastes and textures. And they can be combined in almost an infinite variety of foods. And I thank God that one of those foods is tacos. And I thank God that Aurora, Illinois has the best Mexican food of anywhere in the Midwest. Amen? <laughs> I thank God for my grandmother who 80 years ago walked into a gym like this at a church plant in Toledo, Ohio, and she met the Lord. And she believed the gospel of Jesus, that he'd come to forgive her sins and heal her. And she put her faith in him and believed and was baptized. And that changed my entire life. I thank God for my parents who grew up in broken, broken families. But that because of the goodness and healing of God, that my kids don't have to. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for this church, for my church. I have so much to give thanks for. And so do you. So many good gifts from the Father. I was reading a, a book by an Anglican named William Law. He wrote it in the, the 18th century sometimes described as an 18th century classic. So I guess it's like the eat, pray, love of 1750 or something like that. Um, I guess it's not like that. The title is A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. So I guess, I guess it's a little bit different theme-wise. Um, listen to what he says about gratitude. It's in a section where he's talking about just in the evening, before you go to bed, reviewing over your day, which is an ancient Christian practice, and just seeing what God has given you that day, what the gifts are of that day. He says this, do you want to know who's the greatest saint in the world? He didn't say it like that. Let's paraphrase, okay. Um, do you want to know who's the greatest saint in the world? It's not the one who prays the most or fasts the most. 
is not the one who gives the most to the poor, who's the most eminent for temperance, chastity, or justice, but it's the one who's always thankful to God, who wills everything that God wills, who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness, and has a heart always ready to praise God for it. If you could work miracles, you couldn't do a better one than this. A thankful heart. Listen to this. A thankful heart turns all that it touches into happiness. Made me think of like a Midas touch that turns everything to gold, or more recently and on loop in my house, Frozen, where Elsa, the ice queen, everything she touches turns to ice. But for William Law, everything that gratitude touches turns to joy, turns to happiness. There's an opposite to that. Everything that ingratitude touches turns to bitterness. Ingratitude teaches us that God gives snakes and stones. But when you have a good father, you're full of joy. Do you ever see that old Saturday Night Live sketch with Rachel Dratch where she plays Debbie Downer? Do you guys see that one? In every conversation, she knows how to like suck the joy out of the room. Everyone else is happy and then she says something really depressing and then the camera zooms in really tight in her face and the trombone's like wah, wah. And then everyone tries not to laugh. Here's, here's one of my favorites. They're, they're eating burgers at a burger joint, and they're like, Debbie, aren't you going to eat? And she's like, nah, ever since they found mad cow disease in the U.S., I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain. Wah, wah. We might know people who kind of look like that. Sometimes we sound like that. Ingratitude turns everything it touches into sourness, into bitterness into depression because you're alone in the world. You don't have a father. It's all up to you. But when at the center of the universe is a good father who gives good gifts that we can see and receive and give thanks for, we're filled with joy. This is one of the things that Lent does for us every year. We're the second Sunday of Lent. We're moving toward Holy Week. And each year as we go through the season of Lent, it teaches us about our need for Jesus. It helps remind us that we are sinful, that we are broken, that we need the Lord, that we have far less control out of what our heart does and what our behaviors are than we would like that we need the Lord. And so then it was removed to see the gift of Jesus on the cross, that he has come to set us free from sin, that he has come to bring healing to our hearts, that he has come to make us children of a good father. When we see, have, if you were here at Easter last, last year, did you feel the joy of that? Did you go, what is going on? Why, why is this so much... Joy, it doesn't feel manufactured. It doesn't feel fake. It's just, it's just real what's happening. This is what's happening. You're grateful for the gift of God. You've seen more deeply his goodness. You've received more deeply his love, and you're filled with joy. As we, when we were disconnected from the heart of God, our Father, he was a good Father. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. So he gives the best and most perfect gift. He gives his son. 
He sends Jesus, and Jesus does what we cannot do. Jesus knows the Father, and he trusts the Father. And so Jesus receives his own life as a gift from the Father so that he can give it. And his body is broken for us, and his blood is poured out for us as a Eucharist offering, as thanksgiving to his Father, because he can trust his Father to the grave. And the Father is faithful to Jesus. He raises him, him up, and he, he wins for us forgiveness. So now we, like Jesus, can have a good Father. It's the gift of God in the gospel. When we receive it, we're filled with joy. But that is only the beginning. Jesus' death for our sins, Jesus' resurrection for our adoption is only the beginning. Ephesians 2 says that Christ himself gave himself for us so that in the coming ages, both now and eternity, the Father would show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his loving kindness toward us. What does that mean? It means that God has given us life and breath and our being in creation, but he doesn't stop there. It means that God has forgiven our sins and cleansed us from unrighteousness. And he could have stopped there, but he doesn't. It means that God will one day resurrect our bodies. And he could stop there, but he doesn't. It's all so that he can show his goodness to us for eternity. That's why he wants you and I to know forever the joy of a good father at the center of the universe. Not a father who gives snakes and stones, but a father who gives himself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we can say with the psalmist that we read this morning, it's he who made us. We can add, it's he who saves us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with praise. Give him thanks. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. Giving thanks helps us see and receive the goodness of God. It, it reconnects us to the, the heart of the Father to give good gifts for his children. Do you struggle to feel connected to the goodness of God? Is that hard for you to experience in the trod, trod, trod of your daily life? Every act of giving thanks is an act of faith. Every thanksgiving you make to the Father is an asking, is a seeking, is a knocking. Every time you give thanks, you're asking and Jesus promises that he'll be giving to you. You're seeking and Jesus promises you that you'll find. You're knocking and Jesus promises that the door will be opening to you. And when we give thanks and we let that begin to reshape our minds and our hearts toward the goodness of God, we discover something. We discover that in knocking, we haven't been waiting for God, the Father, to open his door for us. But, but we're actually learning to open the doors of our lives to trust him and his goodness. It can be as simple as this. In your bed, before you go to sleep, taking out your journal and asking the Lord, Father, show me 
where I experience your goodness today. Father, show me something I can thank you for. At first, you might have actually disappointments or hard things come up first. And the Lord cares about those and can bring those to him and, and then ask again, okay, Lord, show me where your goodness was today. Show me what I can say thank you for. And then he will, and you can say, I receive that. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you. I want to practice this right now. We'll kind of do this as our prayers of the people this morning. We'll do it a little out of order, but that's okay. I'm going to give you just a, a few seconds of silence. And I want you to, if you want to, ask the Lord, Lord, show me your goodness today. Or since it's the beginning of the day, maybe show me your goodness this week. What can I say thank you, Father, for? And then after a few moments of silence, I just want to invite you to say that out loud. Say, God, thank you for, and fill in the blank with one word or short phrase. And we'll just let those thanksgivings pop up all over the room. Let's pray. Father, you have taught us in your word that you are a good father who gives good gifts to your children. So show us now your goodness in our lives. Father, we receive all of these as good gifts from your good hand. Thank you, Lord, for all of these thanksgivings spoken out loud and the ones spoken in our hearts and the many more that we didn't even have time to bring to mind. Lord, we receive them from you, our good Father. And I pray that you administer your goodness to your people now. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. For any places where um, anyone here might have felt like you were absent or that you did give a stone or a snake, Lord, I just pray for your healing, for a rebuilding of trust in your goodness. That as we walk through Lent and soon uh, gather here on Easter Sunday morning, that they'd be just a ministry of your goodness that overwhelms with joy. Thank you, Father. We pray and ask all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.